Welcome to Behind the Chalk, a podcast that brings you tools, strategies, and insights from educators everywhere. I am your host, Lindsay Simpson, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with educators from every level discussing our passions, insights, research, and experiences across the profession. So thank you so much for joining me today, and I am super excited to introduce my guests, Rachel and Jennifer, because today we're talking all about Minecraft. I would love to hear how you guys are using Minecraft with your students, so please head on over to Twitter and share with us as you listen at ChalkEDU. So today, I am lucky to not have not only one guest, but two to chat about how we can use Minecraft with students. So, Rachel, I'm going to start off with you. You are from New Zealand, and you were so kind to send me the pronunciation for where you live, and I practiced, and I'm still not confident, so I'm going to let you say it. Can you, can you share where you're from? Yeah, uh, kia ora koutou, or greetings. Um, I'm Rachel Chisnell from Aotearoa, New Zealand, and I live in Dunedin, which is at the bottom of the South Island, and it's lovely to be connecting with you all. So wonderful to have you here. And, you know, you described yourself so wonderfully, you know, as a teacher of kids, um, but mostly about science and chemistry. Love that. Um, but, you know, right now you're taking some time for another focus. Can you share just a little bit of what you're doing right now? Yep. So in New Zealand with our teaching contract, we can take a year's leave every five years. Um, and not very many teachers do it. So, but i Last year, with all the lockdowns and everything, I was feeling a bit flat and wanted to get a bit refreshed, so my school kindly granted me a year's leave. So I'm doing some postgraduate study through the University of Canterbury around integrating digital technologies into teaching and learning programs, and I'm also working part-time with uh, two companies, Cyclone and Using Technology Better, to do some PLD for teachers. So at the moment, that's been wicked because I'm travelling about the Lower South Island doing Minecraft PLD for teachers and getting to go into their schools and still hang out with some students, and that's been really, really fun. Well, that sounds amazing, and you know, it's so wonderful to have you on Behind the Chalk. And we also have Jennifer with us today. Now, Jennifer is from Manitoba, Canada and has been in education for 24 years. Right now, you have another very important role for educators. Can you share what your role is? Well, since the fall, I've uh, switched into the remote learning coordinator position within our division. So I'm supporting the implementation of remote learning for students requiring medical accommodations. So um, I do a little bit of teaching, but I do mostly coordinating, which means I am setting up technology. I'm liaising with the homeschools, plus parents, plus the students themselves. And uh, so that's keeping me busy. And then I do a little bit of learning coaching on the side. So I've adopted the Minecraft platform for that. Uh, it seemed like a good year to get started with that. So I you wear many hats. I have this year, yes. <laughs> Um, and what an important role, you know, to, it's so nice to hear that your organization has a role to manage remote learners. Um, you know, I, I know where I'm from, we don't have one specific person to do that. And so it's kind of fallen on a bunch of people and, and teachers as well. Um, and it's just such a big role where we're at right now with COVID-19 and the pandemic. So 
kudos to you. I'm sure everybody where you are is so appreciative to have you in that role amongst the other ones that you have. It's been so, fun. I, I do like playing with technology. Well, perfect. I hope we can pick your brain today um, about Minecraft and, and maybe some other things again later. So to just get started, I always love to hear how everyone got started in education and how they found their way into this profession. So just in a few words, um, Jennifer, we'll start with you. What were you like as a student yourself and what brought you to the world of education? Well, I've uh, managed to secure my cumulative files and I still have them even after so many years. And I was a very busy child. So I have a heart for a lot of the busy children that I work with now. And I find that uh, Minecraft certainly captures their attention and their interests. That's fantastic. Um, Rachel, how about you? You know, what were you like as a student and what brought you to the world of education? Um, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I was a bit naughty because uh, I'd, I'd get bored. Um, and so I, I suppose uh, I was always interested in science. And so I went and did some uh, my science degree and master's degree and was a research fellow for a while, but wanted to share my interest and try and make my lessons better than the ones that I sat through. Because, the, you know, even when, even when you're bored and not enjoying all of it, there were still those, you know, those sparky teachers that you really appreciated. And so trying to be the best teacher I could for those, those quirky kids um, that don't always fit the mold, uh, I think is what drove me to, to become a teacher. Rachel, I think you and I would have gotten along because I think I <laughs> fell in that same naughty category at times. <laughs> so I can appreciate uh, the students who have some spice in them. <laughs> so yeah. we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we will be chatting all about Minecraft and how we can use it as a teaching tool. So stay with us because you do not want to miss everything you're about to hear. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in just one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started. So we are back today and we are discussing how we can use Minecraft as a teaching tool with Rachel and Jennifer. And I'm super excited for this conversation. I, of course, have known about Minecraft. However, when COVID-19 hit and everything shut down, I was seven months pregnant and needing something to do in the evenings besides drink too many milkshakes. So I started exploring Minecraft EDU and totally got hooked. I all of a sudden understood why so many kids, you know, these last couple of years have been talking about it. I understood now what they meant by mining and building and mobs. Never knew what that was. Um, and my husband plays, so we had something to talk about in quarantine. So let's just start off with some basic background. Um, how long have each of you been playing Minecraft? 
I just started in March, <laughs> same time as you. My story parallels yours minus the pregnancy part. I, I uh, well, we had dabbled with it about three years before for one specific student. We had a hard time sorting it out, the teachers that were working with me. I'm not, I don't really remember why. And then our student moved away, so we let our two accounts sit dormant. And then when COVID hit, uh, I sort of, I had the same idea that I needed to support the teachers I was working with and connect with the students. So I dug a little deeper and um, it turned out that with having the time from teaching from home that I could figure out um, how to get the kids started with it and how to set up all the accounts. And even in the last 11 months, it's gotten a lot easier for our division anyway i'm not sure how it works from division to division but ours is certainly a lot easier so way more kids are accessing it now awesome rachel how about you Uh, i actually got into minecraft before there was a minecraft education edition Mm -hmm. so we set up a server with an old computer at school that sat in my science lab or the in the classroom uh, because i had three very keen students who wanted to Uh, show their learning in that way so they basically taught me how to use it and its benefits and at the time there was also a chemistry lecturer at the University of Otago whose son was really into it and so these we'd set it up and kind of meet some battles around the school's firewall and that sort of things but the the cross school um, collaboration was really awesome and that led me down to thinking it was really worthwhile. Uh, We're very lucky in New Zealand in that the license for Minecraft EDU is paid for by our government or the Ministry of Education agreement. So there's free access for every student in New Zealand. And I think with that and the creation of some New Zealand specific content, uh, it's, it's really taking off here too. I hope somebody from the New York State Education Department listens to my podcast and hears that that's being paid for <laughs> by, by upper levels. That'd be amazing. Um, and I love to hear that um, your students taught you. Teachers are the, or students rather, are the best teachers. And this year I'm working with a second grader who loves the fact that he's teaching me some of these things in Minecraft. So yeah, he just taught me how to teleport and he thought that was like the best thing ever. So uh, I meet with him every Tuesday and Thursday for enrichment. And really it's for me, he's my teacher. So Um, But, you know, some people ask, you know, because Minecraft did start out as more of a general like video game, not necessarily a teaching tool. Some people ask, why would we choose Minecraft? Why should I start using that with my kids? We know it's a cool game. But what teachery things does it have an effect on? You know, does it help with student learning? Does it help with engagement? Um, So, Rachel, what makes this a desirable platform for you? You touched on it a little bit, but, you know, those teachery things. Yeah, I've found it catches kids that are difficult to engage otherwise, and that's the really, really key thing for me, that if you have a student who's a reluctant learner, but they'll, they'll they think they're getting away with not learning by because sho- they're, they're just playing in Minecraft while they're shoving you sound waves or building you a cell, Um, And so that can be really powerful. But I think my favorite thing about it is the collaboration between students. It's very difficult to set up a genuine situation where students are actively contributing. And um, I teach on New Zealand year 10s, they're about 13 to 14 year olds. And 
you know, they can't walk past each other without thumping each other or kicking or whatever they do. But if you put them in that Minecraft environment, they're, they're talking to each other. They're saying, hey, you've built this. This is awesome. Could you build that? Or could you show me how you did this? And and you can also have really lovely conversations about what your expectations of behavior are in that space. You know, you don't go and blow up other people's buildings or what consequences you will have. And so I just, I really like, and they're so often called soft skills, aren't they? But that collaboration, the creativity and the the way that the students have got that little bit more ownership and engagement in their learning, I think is just so valuable. Yeah, I, as a STEAM and instructional technology specialist, I tend to reference those soft skills often, but I hate that name. I call them essential skills and just expect everybody to know what I'm talking about because, you know, they, they really are essential. And I love that you have seen that Minecraft can pull out those necessary skills that kids will need to know in their future. Jennifer, how about you? What, what have you seen um, in Minecraft that makes you know that it's a good tool? Well, I would agree with, with uh, everything that Rachel said there. And I work with uh, primary age students, so grades, or sorry, ages 6 to 11. And I see those same things. We've developed norms for our classes. The grade one class that we had, their first rule was no TNT because they weren't allowed to blow anything up. So it does, it teaches um, those expectations that you see inside your classroom also transfer into your Minecraft world as well. I like the accessibility features for all students, for all learners. I love the immersive reader. That's very um, powerful for students who can't read words, um, but that can read with their ears, but not so well with their eyes. And for pre-readers as well, they can play. I was quite reluctant to start Minecraft with the grade ones and twos that I work with remotely. I just, it it was a bit of a, a worry for me how I was going to get them all on and signed up remotely when we're not in person. And it, you know, it took a couple Zoom calls in our case, and um, they've surprised me at how well they've adapted to the environment. And, and like you said, uh, Lindsay, they're teaching me and they get quite a kick out of that. Yeah, they, they do. They, they pick it up fast. And that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned through this pandemic and going remote and all of a sudden having all this technology is, um, you know, I, I stress and I panic sometimes about needing to learn these new tools and I put it in front of them and they just eat it up. Like, well, okay, (laughs) I guess everybody's fine. So we'll, we'll let them be the experts in some things. Um, But you know, Minecraft is a vast world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has multiple worlds. You can embed lessons. You can have daily challenges. So what do you two prefer? You know, do you do the pre-built worlds? Do you start start off with a blank slate? What type of lesson do you like and, and why do you tend to go in that direction? Jennifer, do you want to start? Sure. Um, we start with, we started with the blocks of grass world and uh, basically just to get the kids going, we've now, um, 
moved on to a, a local connection that we have, a world called Manitou Abiaki that was uh, developed by one of the school divisions in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and Microsoft Canada. And it transports us back 5,000 years ago to see what life was like for the Anishinaabe people back then. So we've, uh, we've graduated to that now, but it is... Um, we have re we have Minecraft recess in our remote class, and then we have Minecraft classes. So we do a little bit of both. Um, that way the kids still have a chance to talk to each other. For sure. That, that sounds wonderful. And I like that you build in both opportunities because, of course, we want to lead them through lessons and we want to challenge them. But they do just need to play and they love to play. So I think that helps them know when it's time to play and when it's time to maybe step out of their comfort zones a little bit. Rachel, how about what you? What, what do you prefer in terms of the different worlds and platforms within Minecraft? I think I've got a similar point to Jennifer um, and that sometimes a pre-built world can be really useful. There's uh, some fabulous chemistry labs and chemistry worlds with um, sort of pre-built challenges that you can take the students on. And I've had our students love those because they can go at their own pace and then we can make some of them in the lab. And that's been really cool. We've also got uh, in New Zealand, we're lucky enough to have Namoto. So that sounds similar to the, was it Manitoba, Manitoba land? Um, But it's it's got uh, aspects of um, tikanga and te ao Māori. So our students can immerse themselves in something that is, that is personalised to us. Um, also of significance perhaps to a lot of New Zealand students is, is places overseas that they might not see but are important in our history. So somewhere like Anzac Cove in Gallipoli in, in Turkey from the First World War or different stations where things of historical note have taken place. So it's, it's lovely to be able to transport students. You know, we're quite an isolated little island at the bottom of the world, so it's fabulous to be able to transport your students to anywhere in the world, but also with that creative mode to have them build their own worlds and look at it from their own viewpoints. So each, each has a place. I probably prefer the creative because I like seeing the outcomes the students come with, um, but the, the pre-built worlds certainly have some great learning attached too. So one of my favorite aspects of Minecraft is that you can play together as a class in person. You can send students out on individual missions, or you can use it as a teaching tool while teaching remote, which we've talked about a little bit already, um, and host a world where other students can join from home. And so with my district, once we got past um, some of the the barriers of like the firewall and all of those things (laughs) um, and got that connection going. Um, It was wonderful. You know, we are on a hybrid schedule right now. So our kids are split in half. Some come on Monday, Wednesday, some come on Tuesday, Thursdays. They've never been on a day all together. And this allows them a day together um, in their learning. How did you launch Minecraft with your students when you were teaching online? Because for me, being new with Minecraft, it was a little bit of a hurdle. Um, I'll just jump in there and say that in New Zealand, we were really fortunate. We were only online learning for four weeks. So um, we, we're, we're currently, we've had a little bit of a mini lockdown, but we've had zero community cases for the last five days. So I think that will be lifting. Um, so that hasn't quite been an issue for me. Sorry. <laughs> 
That's okay, but it's good to know that there's the potential for success is always there. <laughs> sure, Jennifer? it's here if we need it. In, in Manitoba, we did have um, uh, our schools closed, so our classes, we moved to online instruction. And fortunately, most of our teachers in our division had already, we, were, we could see the writing on the wall. We knew it was coming. So in February, we were planning. We, a lot of our teachers were already using Google tools um, for education. So a lot of Google classrooms were already established. Our primary classrooms used Seesaw. And since those were already established and I could get invited into those classrooms, I just did a lot of info bombing in those classrooms and said, hey, it's Mrs. B, I'm going to set up um, some Minecraft accounts. If you're interested, I didn't make it mandatory. Um, I couldn't really make it mandatory. And I, it was a very stressful time. Nobody knew really what was happening. So I made it optional. Still had quite a strong showing of kids um, come out. Lots of them were in grade four and five. And then a few grade sevens actually joined our, our crew as well. And then it took a while to figure out how our, our Office 365 accounts worked with Minecraft. At that time, we had the kids had to type in this like 52 digit long username and um and then they had to set up a pass um, password and then they had to set up the three security questions and that's quite difficult to do from far away so i just took a lot of screenshots and i made a wakelet and i just put all the inform information in there and it was unlisted so um not not the not anyone from the public could just access it and then that helped so um, parents could get on that as well and support their kids getting on. So, and then a lot of social media, we had Twitter and Instagram accounts that we used just to advertise as well. And fortunately for me, um, one of the phys ed teachers joined in, in the group as well. And he is quite a bit younger than I am. So had some video gaming experience. So he took care of the learning of Minecraft while I took care of the log logistics and getting the kids hopefully engaged. <laughs> yeah, having a partner to help is always so nice. <laughs> sure was. Um, but now, you know, it's, Rachel, you've been doing this for a while. You know, Jennifer, you were with me. We, we both started in the, in the shutdown, um, but everyone is a beginner at some point. So what surprised you, um, Rachel, when you started using Minecraft as a teaching tool? Um, what stood out to you? I think just how intuitive some bits were once you get started and and so even though I'm uh, that you know the older than my students the controls are actually the same as the old school games you know the WASD moving or using your arrow keys and so I think a lot of times when I'm showing teachers as well they find that once they get the hang of that that's not so bad um, I think the thing that really stood out for me though was the ability of students to teach each other and the the willingness of them to do that in that environment because some of these kids play this all the time at home and they're, they're just they just know all the ins and outs oh and actually the amount of material on youtube if you give it a google and look it up there's so much good resource so, so some of it's slightly um iffy but you know there's so much good resource with people on youtube to have a look at how about you jennifer did anybody anything surprise you when you started using it I certainly was surprised at the speed at which the grade ones caught on to, to learning about all the controls. 
I had um, done an 11 hour Minecraft teacher academy and I still couldn't lay a, a row of blocks down in a straight line. But, you know, it was really fun to watch in, in, in a one hour period how these children were struggling to just to type in their username. And by the end of the period, they were building structures with uh, walls and windows and doors and roofs and and farming animals. And it was just I couldn't believe it. And I was hooked. It's it's simply amazing. The second grader I work with has so much knowledge of the elements and what you can do when you put different elements together. And now I am married to a chemistry professor. <laughs> I myself only lasted two weeks in chemistry, so I'm not very proficient whatsoever. And again, I just I'm blown away at how much he's picking up um, from what some would deem just a video game. Mm-hmm. And it, it really it shows the magic that Minecraft has and what it can bring to the classroom. But if teachers are like me and if listeners out there, you're like me and you're just starting out your Minecraft journey, um, we want to talk about you. We want to help you. We want to support you. So what support is available for teachers just starting out? Well, I mentioned the Minecraft Teacher Academy. That was a a definite win for me, a definite benefit for me to do. And also the um, how-to tutorials, if you go into your library and find those, that was a big one for me too. I also have two sons at home that are Minecrafters. So after a few eye rolls, they would come in and help me. They'd actually join in sometimes on the the Zoom call, never talking, of course, but they would help me out if I was stuck in a hole or something like that for too long. So that was very helpful. Maybe they should start their own YouTube channel. Uh, Maybe. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Rachel, can you can you point some of our teachers, teacher listeners in a direction for some support? Uh, Yeah, I'd agree that the Teachers Academy is outstanding, really nice place to start. And the Minecraft EDU website has also got lots of support there, including worlds that you can download, and and a lot of them have got lesson plans. There's also a really supportive community with the hashtag MinecraftEDU. I think the Twitter handle is at PlaycraftLearn, and if you ask, people will start poking around. Generally, someone will help you. Um, And definitely your kids will ask your kids because they'll know. Someone will know and they'll be away. I did also join a Facebook group uh, just recently. And I think it was called Minecraft Education was the name of it. And it was very helpful. So people can ask questions and get answers as well. So that was also. And today, to prepare, I thought I would look for podcasts. and, And I did find some Minecraft EDU podcasts as well. So. If you have a commute to work, maybe that's a, a good way for you to, to learn a little bit more. Well, that is and, fantastic. Um, after they listen to this episode, they should definitely go check out those other podcasts. We always want to support other podcasters out there. Um, so actually, if you can share those with me after we're done, I will include all of those resources right in the show notes. So just scroll down on your podcast player and click on the links. We'll send you um right to those other podcasters we'll send you the facebook group we'll send you to where you can find um, the teachers academy so that you can um get all the knowledge as well you know we really want everyone to feel supported in these groups like on twitter with that uh with the hashtag minecraft edu absolutely wonderful 
definitely you can find tons of people. I found both of you on Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter, please go sign up. It is a great way to find other professionals to help you. And the Facebook groups are always wonderful as well. So everyone knows at this point in the episode that I am a beginner, um, but not all my listeners are as green as I am. So how can teachers get to those next steps of Minecraft with their classes beyond the basics? Rachel, where should they go? Yeah, I found this particularly challenging because I got started and... So we played around in a few worlds and then I had sort of groups of kids or groups of students doing it, but not all of them. And it, it's difficult to get, sometimes it's difficult to get to those next steps because you feel like you've started and then you've stalled, if, if that makes sense. So if anyone out there is, is feeling like that, actually your students haven't stalled. It took me a little while to notice that I felt like I wasn't getting more or doing anything more with it, but actually my students were, and the way that they were, again, you focus on those soft skills, but it took less time for them to get logged in. It took less time for them to get organized. They they had better structures and, and, and processes in place to help them. So sometimes if you're feeling stuck or you don't, you don't know that next steps, actually you're already better or progressing further than you thought. But that is also where, you, as Jennifer said, those Facebook communities come in, those um, Twitter handles come in, because there are some absolute rock stars around the world that will say, well, hey, have you considered this? Or would you like to join in the monthly build challenges? Or, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, there's just so many, so many places it can go. But also to remember, it, that doesn't mean it needs to go everywhere. Make sure it's suiting your, your learning outcomes and, and your students and communities. That is a great reminder. And certainly we have two rock stars on this podcast today. So, you know, listen to these ladies. Go find some other educators out there in the Twitterverse. You know, there's, there's lots of people out there to learn from, um, but certainly start here. I think I've, I myself have lots of avenues I'm now going to go down. So thank you so much. You know, for taking the time to join me today, you know, I've enjoyed our conversation and hearing from both of you about Minecraft Education Edition. And if any of our listeners would like to connect with you, because I do think, um, you know, you both are rock stars at this in your own right. You know, where can people do that? Where can they find you? Uh, Jennifer, how could people connect with you? Well, I'm on Twitter. Um my handle is at Mrs. Borgfjord with a couple underscores in there. So um, if you want to include it in the show notes, uh, you can go ahead and do that. Absolutely, I will. Yes, please scroll down, find that, um, that handle and give her a follow. Um, Rachel, how can people find you? Uh, Twitter is probably the best too. I'm at IBPossum. Um, I, I got brown hair and brown eyes and being told I look like a possum sometimes so that's where the nickname came from and it's sort of just stuck uh, and I'm also on Instagram with the same handle so yeah feel free to reach out and and um, let me know if you need any help it, people have helped me and I'm really really willing to repay to pay that forward to help others fabulous and is there a website that you have as well Rachel with that same title yes yep just ibpossum.com it's my and, blog. And your blog. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So what would people find on your blog? Oh, it depends on the day a little bit. Um, <laughs> but mostly 
some ponderings or learnings about Office 365, uh, Minecraft. Uh, with my PLD role, I'm doing a little bit more Google stuff. Um, there's some really cool jam boards out there, uh, some amazing work that people are doing. Gifted Hawk has got really cool jam boards out there if you're looking for them. And, uh, and just, I suppose, some ponderings about our education system in New Zealand too. I know when I look around the world, I think New Zealand is probably very good, but when you're in it, you can still see things that you need to improve. <laughs> of course, there's always room for improvement. So if you would yeah. like to find Jennifer, if you'd like to find Rachel, please go check out the show notes so that you can follow them. And of course, head on over to Twitter and follow us as well at ChalkEDU. We want to hear how you are using Minecraft. Reach out to me. Um, at Chalky to you, reach out to Jennifer, reach out to Rachel. Let's all learn from each other, share our ideas, and keep moving forward. So Rachel and Jennifer, I truly believe that teachers enter this profession because they love kids. They love learning. They love the experience this profession brings. So before we let you go, can you quickly share just one story from your career that you will hold on forever? It could be a funny story. It could be a heartfelt story. But what is a teacher moment that will stick with you? And I'm going to let anyone who wants to go first. Oh, go oh my gosh. Both of you were, I think you tied, but Rachel, go ahead. You got pointed at. <laughs> um, mine is about how I, I had a group of students that were really struggling and we were doing a heat task, a heat transfer task. And so they were supposed to write an essay about a thermos flask and these students they didn't have the literacy skills to understand convection, conduction, um, you know, or those technical terms. And so I thought, mm, screw that. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. And I got them to build a flask and they got some tires, they got some aluminium foil so that the, the radiation got uh, radiated back into the, and they built a cardboard casing for it because uh, it would be insulating. And then they were arguing over the lid because it was hard to build this lid onto this um, thermos that they were, or, you know, sort of flask that they were building. And one of the boys said, oh, let's just pop a lid on the top like a cork. And another kid said, nagaeg, which is, you know, <laughs> what we say in New Zealand, the cork will pop off because of the steam. And I was like, oh, you've learned something. You've learned something. Like, it was just an amazing moment because... And I suppose it was that, that beginning of this journey for me when students don't need to show their learning through writing. They can show it in lots and lots of different ways. And it's, I keep coming back to those three boys fighting over the lid of this thermos flask that they were making and showing me that they'd learned something without, without writing it down. And, and I just think sometimes it's so, you know when you're looking for that standard assessment tasks it's so it's so easy to lose sight of that so yeah you can express learning in lots of different ways and that's where Minecraft as, as well as other things can be really powerful. What a wonderful reminder I, I understand why that story jumped out to you so so quickly. Jennifer yeah. how about you? Well one of my standout moments is about reading and I was working as a resource teacher, which is um, probably a learning support teacher in other parts of the world. So uh, with a, a young girl in grade four who we ha suspected had a reading learning disability, a specific learning disability relating to reading. And um, we introduced 
our e-library to her. We we brought in just an old iPod with headphones in it, and we got her audiobooks. And she was able to access age-level text and understand it and engage with her peers and it was just such a powerful moment. She was so excited. She was talking about it, books, Judy Bloom, in fact, it was blubber. And she was able to talk with her friends about it and access that information in a different way than most of her other uh, classmates were doing. But it just reminded me that we just sometimes have to find different ways to achieve similar outcomes for our kids. And from that moment on, I've always, um, gone down the path of focusing on ear reading and using assistive technology and assistive technology in a variety of other ways. I That's first awesome. started my role in education as a special education teacher and I could not have planned this better that both of you really had the underlying message that learning can happen in so many different ways and students can express their learning in so many different ways. So I I just I think that's where we have to stop because I don't think we could end into something better than that. So thank you again for joining me today. You both have helped me and so many others either start or continue our journeys with Minecraft with new ideas and resources. So thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. It was fun to be here. Finally, to end every episode, I like to give a little book highlight from something that I've been reading. And if you've been following me at this point, you know that I'm working my way through the distance learning playbook. This has really been my Bible this year with remote learning. And this week, I'm going to be chatting about module four, and it focuses on credibility and building trust. Now, the module had tons of great things in it, um, but a quote that stood out to me was, your passion did not change because you are teaching from a distance. Make sure your students know that. Well, this year has provided many reasons to make educators sad, to make us doubt ourselves and our abilities, and for some, question if this is what we want to be doing. Everyone has to make the decisions that are best for them because, let's be honest, with each other here for a second, um, burnout is real, right? I would be lying if I said that there hasn't been a moment this year where I looked around and asked myself if this year was affecting why I loved my job, if this is what I wanted to be doing, would I want to be pandemic teaching the next 20 years? But at the end of the day, I love kids. I love teaching kids. I love coaching kids and after school opportunities. I love having conversations with kids. They crack me up. I love seeing the light bulb go off when they suddenly understand a concept that they've been struggling with. My passion is still there, and this sentence in Module 4 helped reaffirm that. So even though I have sat in a makerspace this year that is now outfitted to something different because we can't share materials and we needed space, even though I count the minutes I have been in a classroom so I don't end up on a possible quarantine list, even though I spend some days all by myself, even though all the fun extracurriculars are either not occurring or basically not occurring because of the lack of participation. Because I mean, what kid is going to sign up for another couple of hours online? At the end of the day, I know that this is temporary. 
even though it might not go back to exactly how it was, and to be honest, I really sometimes ask myself if it should, right? There's been some really good things that have come out of this and how we're teaching. So I don't want it to go back exactly how it was. But in any case, I know that it will get better. So for now, I am focusing on rebuilding my relationships in that virtual world. I'm making sure that students know I'm still here for them and hoping that my passion can be contagious for others or at least a reminder that this is not permanent. This is not what's going to be here. But you know what? It is exhausting. So for those people who are having thoughts like mine of saying, oh my gosh, could I do this forever? They're validated. I will validate those feelings for you right now. It is okay that you're thinking about that. And if you are someone who needs to take a break, take a break. But know that your passion did not change because you are teaching from a distance, right? The distance learning playbook nailed it. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Behind the Chalk. Did this episode remind you of a rock star teacher? Whether it's you or someone else, reach out and share with me so we can share with others together. Want to hear more of Behind the Chalk? Subscribe and review the podcast wherever you like to listen and follow on Twitter at ChalkEDU.